Coming to you from North Central Ohio, we share with you the voice of the Nazarene, a week-by-week venture into the Word of God sponsored by the Bucyrus, Ohio Church of the Nazarene. We join our pastor, Reverend Ray LaSalle, and the voice of the Nazarene. You can dwell and not be together in unity. And in verse 2, he tells us what it's like. And may I, before I say that, remind you that the last prayer Jesus ever prayed, John chapter 17, five times in one chapter, he prayed, make them one. Make them one. Make them one, make them one, make them one. And look, look at what it does. He said, it's like the precious ointment upon the head that ran down upon the beard, even Aaron's beard that went down to the skirts of his garment. Unity is attractive, isn't it? And then he says something that's very profound in verse 3, as the dew of Harmon, and as the dew that descended upon the mountains, for there, where? Where the unity's at, where people are together. For there the Lord commanded the blessing. God commands a blessing on people who are in unity together. Marriages, families, churches, nations who are together. And the Lord commanded the blessing, even life forevermore. God is saying that he'll command a blessing and uh, that anointing upon those who unite together, those that dwell together in, in unity. No wonder the enemy wants to divide up our families and our homes because he knows that if he can divide, he'll conquer. And he'll keep the blessing of God from being in the harmony of that marriage together. And that family. Then in Joshua 24, verse 15, let me draw attention to the final line in this verse. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. I think it's easy just to skip over that, slide over that. As for me and my, we will serve the Lord. I believe there's a power in we. And it ceases to be about me and my, and it becomes about we. Then there's a commanded blessing. God's going to look in on our lives and our marriages and our homes and our churches. And when your mar- marriage is more about me and my than it is about we, then there's not going to be a, a blessing. God will transfer a blessing when the transfer begins to shift its focus and uh, the light that shines in on it from the me and the my over to the we. We get self-centered and we think so much about ourselves, but today, just for a few minutes, I'd like to focus on this whole concept of, of we. Now, preaching about the fact that in Numbers 17, God told Moses, he said, uh, this is not just a one-man show, 
But I'm going to take the spirit that I put on you and I'm going to put it on the 70 elders. And it's going to be about we working together. Not about me and my, but about we. In other words, God is saying, I don't want my church to be built on one man. I want it to be about we're in this together. I need you and you need me. And together we're a force that hell cannot stop. And hell cannot defeat. Not about me, not about my, it's about we. Then in Matthew chapter 6, verse 9, Jesus prayed this prayer, our Father, our Father, which art in heaven, our, not my Father. It's not about me praying about me, but he begins praying, our Father. It's about we. Not about me and my. It's about the hour of power. And you spell that with an O U R. Hour of power, not age O U R of 60 minutes of power. But I don't come saying, You're my God. No, He's our God. We're in this thing together. Pastors can't run their little operation by themselves. Little crowd of people over here can't do anything about themselves. But when we get together and realize it's about something bigger than us, it's our Father. And suddenly we can pray for others. We can pray about the wives and about the husbands and about the children, about ministry and communities and the country when it's not about me and my for God said to pray one for another that you might be healed. Did you catch that? You want a healing in your own life? Get your eyes off of yourself. Get it on others and you begin to think of others and pray for others. It's amazing how suddenly God brings health into your own mindset, your own lifestyle. Peter and John went up to, to the temple together at the hour of prayer. And a miracle happened. Miracles always happen when a crowd and a marriage and families come together, when a nation comes together. This is where the lame man was begging. And uh, he hadn't walked, and they'd just come and lay him on the sidewalk, and, and he saw him. And when they were together, at the time of prayer, something began to happen. It's why it's always so important to not be a person who's about me and my. All I care about is me and my. It's when we begin to understand it's about we. And the real strategy of hell has never changed. The devil always wants to divide to conquer. Just break things up to where it's all about me and my and we forget about we, and suddenly the, the blessings are withdrawn and the anointing is withdrawn because it became a greedy thing. It's the power of unity. I would like them to just share you a clip for a moment.
I don't know if there's any sound. This is simply some ants that wanted to get to that wasp's nest and they built a bridge. Those are ants holding on to nothing but each other. Can you imagine? The ants are people, not strong, but when they get together. Isn't that pretty amazing? What could a handful of us together? What could a nation that's together do? What can a ministry in a local town do? No wonder Jesus prayed five times. It'd be the last prayer he'd ever pray on earth. It'd be the last prayer request that he'd ever make to God in heaven. And he said, make, make them one. We know that he's now interceding in heaven for us. But his last prayer request was, Father, make them one. And you understand that it's a unified response to the moving of the spirit that God looks for. It's got to be more than me and my, but it must become we. And even in a church service like this, if we're not careful, it becomes about me and my and my kind of music and what I feel comfortable with and how I feel. And, and sometimes if we're not careful, we come and we don't feel like praising God. But you don't know, the person seated right beside you may have had the worst day of their life. And they may need a blessing even if you don't think that you need a blessing. And it may be that if you could create a little atmosphere when you get your mind off of me and my and say, we need you, God, I might not be desperate this week, but I might be desperate next week. And I need someone to praise God with me together. The Bible says to weep with them that weep and to mourn with them that mourn and to rejoice with them that rejoice. And you're not supposed to rejoice by yourself. And if anybody's on your uh, roll starts to clap, you need to get with it and clap too. If somebody else sticks a hand up in the air, it doesn't hurt for you. The Bible's commanded and it, we're to participate. Weep with them that weep. Rejoice with them that rejoice. It's not about me and mine, it's about we. And if I've got a brother shouting with a blessing, I need to shout with his blessing together for I might need that blessing next week. So just look down the road. Do you see anybody that looks like they're a little excited, maybe a little more than you? No? Well, tell them to get excited like you are right now. Engage. No wonder the psalmist said, oh, let us magnify the Lord together. We used to sing a song around the church, forget about yourself and Concentrate on him and worship him. Oh, forget about yourself and concentrate on him and worship him. So forget about yourself and worship him, Christ the Lord. Worship him, Christ the Lord. Not about us. Do you ever wonder about that little account there in the book of Acts chapter 6? A couple by the name of Ananias and Sapphira, early church, church just getting its feet down and laying its foundation, and, and uh, somebody said they, the two of them died and it was because they didn't give enough. No, that wasn't even what it was about. Read it again. Nobody was even taking up an offering. 
fact of the matter, there was a moving of God, and nobody got up and said, we need to, we need to give so much. But when God began to move and the Spirit started moving, people started bringing. People started selling things, and people came to the worship center and began to, to give, to expand the gospel. And the Bible said that Ananias and Sapphira didn't get into the flow of what God was doing. Now, Grace was still a baby. And God knew that Grace was in its infancy. He knew it had already started. And when he saw what was happening, God interrupted Grace and said, I'm going all the way back to judgment. I'm gonna kill a couple members that's not getting into the flow of things and they're putting on, hey, does it, is, is it important whether we participate or not? I wanna tell you something, it's very, very important that we participate. This wasn't the Old Testament, it's the New Testament. Here's something that I, I've thought about many times ever since I was back in college days. There was a principle called the 80-20 principle. Have you heard of that? Pareto principle? He said that 20% of the people participate and 80% spectate. 20%, he said, carry the load and 20% give and 20% get involved and 20% volunteer while the others kind of just sit there and, and watch. If that's true, you sure hope one person doesn't die. It'll take six to carry them out. It'll mess up the flow. I wonder what would happen around the church if we could just reverse that for a moment and we had 80% involved and giving and praying and, and working I think it'd drive the other 20% crazy. They'd wonder if we'd lost our mind. Jesus said at the Last Supper, one of you will betray me. And the Bible said all of them, all of them, all of them said, Lord, is it I? Now you thought that maybe just Judas said that, but the Bible said that all of them said, Lord, is it I? Isn't it amazing so many people come to church and they hear a sermon and they think, boy, that's good for them. I'm sure glad they're here. They're getting it this morning. That sermon's for them. I wonder why so-and-so didn't come. They missed a, a sermon that they needed and we never seem to think that anything's for us. The proper response is, Lord, is it I? Now, these were the disciples. These are the guys that wrote the Bible and they're asking, is it I? And, and uh, we're asking if anybody else needs it except me. Maybe we ought to listen up and maybe we ought to say, Lord, is it I? Should, should I get involved? Should I participate? Should I start giving? Should I start supporting? Should I step up to the plate and ask, is there anything around the church that I ought to be doing? It's Acts chapter two, verse one. It's called the day of Pentecost. When the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all, there was 120 there, they were all with one accord in where? One place. All with one accord in one place. And did you know that was before they had even received the baptism of the Holy Spirit? How much more should we who have received the fullness of the Holy Spirit be in one accord in one place together, praising. I mean, if we're claiming to receive what they received in that upstairs room, and that was before they received it, 
And the Bible said there was a sound of a rushing mighty wind from heaven that filled all the place, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And what are you saying? I'm saying there's something about all being in one accord in one place. It's commanded a blessing to flow to that people. It'll rid the division and it got rid of the me and the my and it became about we. And the reason that God can't bless you is because you say me and my is more important than we. I'm wondering if the biggest prayer we could pray is God unify. The Bible says on the day of Pentecost where they were all filled with the spirit, they came out of that upstairs room and got out there on the public streets and began sharing. Now, we always talk about how Simon Peter got to preaching and his preaching and his sermon birthed the church. But the Bible says in Acts 2.14, but Peter standing up with the 11. Did you ever catch that? I never did till this week. Standing up with the 11. They're standing right there when he's preaching. They're not setting and they're not certainly not setting on him. Fact of the matter, they're with him and they're out there on the streets and they're all sharing and they're creating an atmosphere that God could put a commanded blessing out of the temple and right out there and shed it abroad on the public streets of Jerusalem. They understood the power of unity and that it wasn't a one-man show and it wasn't about me and the minds, but it's about we. And you know what's gonna happen if we don't stand up and stand up for each other? Our nation's gone Better think about it, folk. We'll never know America again as we know it right now. And that's not the message, and I don't want to go that route. But it's not about a one man. It's, a, it's about we. And it wasn't seven standing, and it wasn't eight standing. It was 11 plus one equaling 12 disciples, all of them. And it brought the power from the upper room out there to the sidewalks of Jerusalem. May I move a little farther and to say if, if you get raptured, it's not going to be about me and my. Let me read it to you. It's 1 Thessalonians 4, 16. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel, and with the trump of God and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Now watch this, verse 17. Then we, we, not me and my, we which are alive and remain shall be caught up, catch this, together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air and so shall we ever be with the Lord. If you're going to be raptured, it's going to be a we rapture. It's going to be a together rapture. It's not about me and my walk with God. It's about we. We each need each other. We need the church. We need to get each other's back. When I'm weak, I need you to pray for me. And when, when you're weak, I need to be strong and wipe my tears away and begin to pray for you. We come together in the name of the Lord. For we're two or three are gathered together in my name. There am I. In the midst of who? Me and my, no, them. And suddenly strength is transferred from one to another, according to Matthew 18, 20. I believe that a great church is a we church. Let me show you something. It's Acts chapter 19, about halfway through. I think it's about the 34th verse. There's a story. 
And right before the story, there's this guy by the name of Demetrius. And he was an idol maker. He made his money making idols. I don't even know if he believed in them, but boy, he could sell them. And there in Ephesus, they're all buying these idols off of him. And he's becoming a multi, multi, whatever, wealthy guy. Until Paul showed up in town preaching. Preachers ruin everything. He showed up preaching and boy, Demetrius' business went down the tube. It went belly up. He was preaching Jesus Christ. Suddenly all the city couldn't find any idols to buy. They shot from here to there and you couldn't find toilet paper. I mean idols or anything else. And everybody's trying to find some. And the Bible said, now catch this, for two hours all they were doing, all with one voice, not just the people on the front seat, but all the people with one voice. This is to a false god, the god of Diana. And Ephesus, Diana was the sex god with multiple breasts and they worshiped, they burned incense and they thought if we, if we give her enough praise, she'll give us power and they worshiped Diana and Diana would bless them and her nation would grow, the goddess of fertility. Diana is great, all with one voice for two hours. I looked at that in my office and I thought if I could just get all of my people, not two or three, but all of them for just two minutes in Bucky Rush, just two minutes, all of them praising God. I wonder what in the world would happen. Whoops, I don't have a watch and the watch is ticking, saying God is good and God is great. And God's gonna bring all of us Praising God together with one voice. There, in that kind of a setting, God commands a blessing. Has our generation ever needed a blessing, that anointing? A blessing on the marriage, blessing on the home, blessing on our community, a blessing at your house, a blessing on the ministry, a blessing on our nation? It happens when we come together. Now, do you know what God said there in Genesis chapter 11? This was an amazing thing to me this week. I was reading that, reading that story over again. And if you read into that chapter, you'll, you'll, you'll be amazed. All the people had one mind. They were of one heart. They had one language. They had one vision. They were all together on this thing. They said, we're going to build a tower to heaven. We're going right up there into the presence and we're going to, we're, we're, we're building a tower. And they said, we can do it. We can do it. And they're worshiping the devil. And the Bible said this they began to do. And this is what the Lord said here in verse six of that chapter. The Lord said, behold, the people is one. They have all one language, and this they begin to do. And he said, now catch this, and now nothing will be restrained from them which have imagined to do. If you can get people together with one vision, all talking the same thing, all pulling the same load together, everybody in harmony, we're all giving toward it, we're all believing in it, we're all working and straining and stretching toward it, there is nothing that can stop a church 
when it's united like that. And God said, because of their unity and they've got their minds set and they're all in one mind on this and they're going to come, he said, I've got to go down and I've got to tear down the tower, divide their language. Now you think about your own family. Is your family in harmony to today? Are there people in your family clan that you won't speak to, people that you're angry with, people you don't even want to come to your house? The devil wants you to do that and to stay that way. Why? Because he's keeping a commanded blessing off of your home. Are you listening to me? And the kids are watching all that's going on. Now, I got to land my plane. I know what the blues are thinking. He don't even have a pilot's license. But I still got to get this sermon down. There in John chapter 5, it's the pool of Bethesda. And the story had it that once a year, an angel would come down from heaven and begin to trouble the water. And when that would happen, the first responder that got in would be healed. And a man had sat there for 38 years, and Jesus said, well, why aren't you healed? He said, well, when the angel comes and troubles the water, I have no one to put me in. And the first responder that gets in, they get healed. And I've missed it because I'm not the first responder. And I believe there's a principle here that we need to get. God loves first responders. And if everybody else misses it, if you be the person who are the first to respond in a service, God will respond to you. Don't wait for them to sing a song. Don't make it about me or my and me and my. It's not about me and my. It's about we get the blessing. God loves first responders. You don't have to be the last to clap and the last to give and the last to move toward an altar and the last to do this and do that. God loves first responders because when we move from me and my to we, it creates a ripple effect. Can you imagine what would happen in a service like this while the preacher's still preaching? And somebody just gets up and they begin to move down an aisle toward an altar. It'll create a ripple effect and somebody else will begin to move and somebody else will get up and move and somebody else. And it's not about me getting to my car and going to eat my dinner. It's not about any of that. But it's putting God first and others first. And it's about we and about souls. And there's nothing more than you and I playing a part. Two or three are gathered together. There am I in the midst of them. As for me and my house, we're not going to leave it on the me and the my. We, we, how many parents would give the world if their kids would come to God and become a part of the we? How many spouses, if they could just get the me and the other my to we and serve God together, it would change this community and it would change homes up and down streets and it would change our relationship throughout the community and we begin to work together for kingdom building as spouses.
There's families, Father. Thanks for being a part of the Voice of the Nazarene. Visit us every Sunday at 9 a.m. with BNC's pastor, Ray LaSalle. For more information regarding BNC, visit BusirisNazarene.org.